After years of helping online businesses make more money by advising them on their taxes and finances, I've now made it my mission to reach as many profitable online businesses as possible to help them save on their taxes and make more money. On my quest, I bring you proven and real profitable online business owners, and we dig into how they do it. Hello again. Thanks for being here. This is the few, the proud, the profitable. This is the podcast where we talk exclusively to six and seven figure online business owners. We know that in this space, there are a lot of people who exaggerate, who inflate their successes. So what we've done here is we take the guesswork out of it for you. We vet our guests. We know that they're legit. We know that they're making money online. So we talk to them, pick their brain for some of their strategies and hopefully something you can implement too. So today we've got one of those. Sarah Beth, thanks for being here. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, we're excited. This will be a lot of fun. So for everyone, a lot of people know who you are because you've got a pretty good following. But for the people who don't, just tell them who you are, tell them what you do. So I'm Sarah Beth. I run the online uh, business called Sarah Beth Yoga. It started with a YouTube channel and then grew to have a membership site uh, membership app suite across all devices. Um, I have my own yoga mat now and an audience reaching uh, into half a million. Yeah. Well, how many subs do y'all have now? As of recording today, it's it's a little over that, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I think it's 630,000, somewhere around there. Yeah, you, you shortchanged yourself a full <laughs> 130K. Come on. <laughs> but no, that's awesome. And it's one of the things that's super interesting to me seeing you do it, seeing Adam, seeing Justin with ultimate baseball training to where so many people look at their YouTube subs, which is a, a huge part of how you make money, obviously. But AdSense is really as far as they look in terms of monetization. Yeah. I look at my YouTube sub count as a vanity number. I mean, yeah. that's 630,000 people that are not watching my video when I click upload, you know, mm -hmm. I get maybe 8,000 views in the first day when I upload my videos and my videos are how to, they're not bingeable. Yeah. People aren't waiting around waiting for my reaction to something, you know, it's, it's how to. So when someone's in the mood to do yoga, they're going to do that video. Mm -hmm. and so this 630,000 people, how many of them are actually active? How many of them are actually interactive? It's really that um, that platform gives me an opportunity to funnel in the people that are truly interested and want more. Right. Well, and I like the way you said that that's a, a vanity sort of vanity metric for you. And of course you can extrapolate that a little bit. Okay. You've got this nice active following on YouTube. So X percentage, you can distill that down to the right audience, assuming you've done it the way you have, and it's, you've built it based on people's interests. You didn't just buy a bunch of kids and some third world country to, to sub to you. Because that's one of the things that's been interesting we're seeing now is What's huge is everyone's trying to go on TikTok now. Yeah, it is huge. And yeah, okay, TikTok is an active platform. It's it's growing so fast that I think people are able to get a lot of views. They're able to get a lot of impressions. But what people sort of don't understand is the disconnect between what are going to be the right audience and the people who are going to be real paying customers versus people who are just 
watching you do something that's completely unrelated to what your core business really is. It's just you sort of acting a fool on these videos and being silly doesn't mean they're going to want to buy what your product is. I think if you have a strong brand and a strong business model, mm -hmm. then you'll know whether or not those silly videos are in line, right. you know, and because if like, there's people out there that are like, I can teach you how to be silly too. like sign up below for my free this and that, you know, and there you go. Now you have a sales funnel. Yeah. So if you, if you can use those platforms to build your audience for more than just popularity, then right. you've actually got something there. But how many people are building an audience off of, something that's fleeting. Right. It's all these people who on their Facebook profiles are, we're professional coaches and we coach you to get to six and seven figures. And we are, it's really, whether or not this is true or not, it's presenting it in this very professional, pristine, high level way. Then you go on TikTok and they're running around in dinosaur costumes. <laughs> if you were selling how to be entertaining and run around in dinosaur costumes, sure, of course you should be doing that. But when there's this huge disparity between the two, like, what are you doing? Yeah, right. So that's why I like where you say that, yeah, obviously the, the YouTube has this correlation to where you're really making your money on the back end and selling the info products and not just relying on that. But it's not this end all of what your success in the business is. It reminds me of, um, my husband does a lot of my strategy for me mm -hmm. and he's like a person I refer to because I get too close into my business. And he tells me all the time that the people who are commenting are typically not the people who are clicking by, you know? So the, a lot of times people who are commenting are people who have opinions, mm -hmm. but they're not supporting me. Well, yeah, there was, um, we had one guy on Steve Sims and he talks about how he just engages with his trolls and for some <laughs> of them, he's able to convince them to be customers eventually. But yeah, just because someone's engaging with you doesn't mean that they're a, a hot lead. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's one of the things I've always liked the way that y'all do it, the way Adam and Rocky do it is that you, you, you really leverage that following. You focus a ton on growing it, but it's not just for, hey, look at all our pretty subs. Isn't this so nice? It's growing, targeting the right people and then converting them into something you actually own and is actually making you money, not just showing how popular you are and how oh, much yeah. people like your stuff. Absolutely. I mean, you have to know what your, your like, highest values are. And for me, it's my family and it's security. Mm -hmm. And building the business model that I built with Adam allows me to leverage the platform and mm -hmm. those metrics in order to get security for my family. Mm -hmm. And now I have so much clarity behind everything that I do in my business that it's like, well, this is, is this going to get me more security for my family? Is this in line with my business model? Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Or is this just going to give me this dopamine rush because people are paying attention to me, which I think <laughs> is sort of sort of the disconnect that a lot of pe people don't uh prop they don't they don't realize that the two aren't necessarily related and they don't prioritize it i uh, know dopamine doesn't pay your bills <laughs> right <laughs> oh yeah all right well that's funny so the second question is, and we've sort of been alluding to this when we were talking, but what's the best thing about having a profitable online business? 
Um, it's been a long time coming. I had a long runway to be able to say this is a profitable online business. And now that I'm here, I mean, I think the best part is absolutely the lifestyle design. Mm -hmm. I get to choose what I do, when I do it, where I do it, which is funny because it's not as luxurious as you would think. Right. You know, because I, I don't, I actually like having a home office and I like having structured time that I work and I need that and I need mm -hmm. to not be distracted by other people. So like, I'm not the person that's going to open my laptop in a cafe on the beach. Right. You know? So, mm -hmm. so as much as I say, I love the luxury of lifestyle design, like I'm not even taking full advantage of that. I just like having control over my life. Mm -hmm. And even the people who work for me, it's like, well, are you sick? Okay. Rest. Like you can, you can work when you want to work. <laughs> yeah, there will be so many times I'm coming into the office and Laura, my assistant, this would be a day where I'm dragging. There's no need to be here. She's like, you don't have appointments today. Like just, just go work from home. But I do think that is sort of for people who have had a struggle of getting there, where especially for online businesses, once you hit it, you hit it fast and you can have this upward trajectory. The ceiling is way up here. But doing it right is hard. Really being successful is harder than people want to let on. So those first couple years and that first bit can be this really grind to get there. So when people do achieve that success, it seems like there can be people have trouble then having been so in want of success. They have a hard time slowing it down. Even yeah. when they don't need to work, it's kind of hard for them to, to, to pull off the throttle a little bit, it seems like. I think having kids forced me to. Yeah. My, my energy is that much more limited. My time is mm -hmm. that much more limited. I, there's no way you're never going to catch me working at two in the morning. Mm -hmm. well, you know? well, the kids will be up at five, so. Exactly. <laughs> well, well, and that's one thing that we, kind of, we ran into is that, you know, we're five months pregnant now with our first. So the, my normal schedule is waking up and getting in the office around 10 and then there's no real upper limit for how late we'll be here. That's going to change as time goes on. First off, just the number of hours that you're working, but we had it to where I, I got in that loop of, I was just talking about it. It's hard to turn it off when you have, you've had a couple years where you're struggling. I was just, you, you can get really hooked on work because it, it, it has its own little dopamine rush that you can get when you're really just going crazy. So for us, we had to, we changed our structure completely. Not only did we have, we make some operational changes, but I'm like, all right, I can't, I can't work 100, 120 hours a week, six months out of the year with, with a kid. So we, we brought on a partner to the firm, which yeah. I'm, I, I don't necessarily recommend for, for my purposes and the specific person I found. I think that's great advice for, for me in this particular setup. I think partnerships have a lot of, you know, I think they'll go wrong about three times as more as often as they'll go right. Right. But, but you've got to figure out what you're going to prioritize. Like you're saying, you have to figure out what matters to you and what your, 
what your what your priorities are and what what you're willing and not willing to do with your time yeah absolutely i mean similarly i hired my first full-time employee this year yeah you know and it's not it's not like a partner i mean i'm in full control but yeah. that allowed me to step away from a lot of things that bring me a lot of stress now like my email inbox well and you're in full control of the ownership of the company but you are relinquishing control of activities yeah which isn't always easy oh right no it took me a long time to get here i i should have done this a long time ago mm -hmm. and it finally just hit a breaking point and that was when i migrated my technology to a new um app like a new new white label service i was yeah. like i need to bring someone else on for this um so it, it there was a catalyst for me but it was definitely challenging yeah and i think that's how it is for most people and it and it really depends on it seems like for everyone i talk to there's never any one thing that makes you do it but it is it seems to be it's stress related what causes you that stress can vary so much from person to person but yeah at a certain point it's just you sort of you don't crack that that makes it seem like uh there's a deficiency but you do finally just reach like you said this breaking point that you you've got to change something mm -hmm. so yeah all right cool so third question is one of the things we deal with a ton with our clients and one of the things that we hear can be a real struggle for online businesses is managing your cash flow. So how have you managed to do that successfully? Um, I, I think that my business has a lot of cash flow. I think mm -hmm. I've been lucky in that way that I have really high profit margins. So yeah. I'm not concerned about having to save for a large purchase, it's usually just like, oh, we need to put down, you know, $10,000 for yoga mats. Let's do that this month. Yeah. You know, we'll just, we'll just take less off the top. Mm -hmm. um, so having a business with that kind of model is beneficial in that way. But also like, I don't really know how to answer that other than the fact that I've got a lot of cash flow. I have an accountant <coughs> who, <laughs> uh, right, Micah? who, um, you know, sends me monthly statements so I can kind of just keep a, a bird's eye view on what everything, like what everything looks like. And, mm -hmm. uh, I understand that as my business grows and as my, um, uh, gross business revenue increases, so are my expenses. And there's going to be a point, like I just hired this employee where mm -hmm. now I'm expecting, okay, now I've got actually a legitimate amount of expenses every month. Right. But I trust, I mean, I have a recurring revenue model too, so I know where my limits are. Mm -hmm. But you do, obviously you have, you're not giving yourself enough credit there because of, of course you do have good profit margins. You've got a lot of volume of that coming in, but you've got the subscription model where you've got a not, you've got a good baseline, but you do also have ebbs and flows in your, for revenue you know, for any info based product, you've got product, you've got new product launches. Right. So it's nice when you've got that buffer to where you don't have to think about it as much maybe, but you might, you can have a month where you get this crazy spike in there. And if you don't plan properly for that, if as some, I've known some people to do, they treat their spikes in, in income as if that's going to be their recurring monthly revenue you can get in some real trouble real fast. 
Oh, I bet. I bet. I think because, um, you know, we just less than three years ago, we were living in low income housing. Our financial situation has drastically changed. Um, the business's finances have drastically changed. And I think because of our past, um, we're really careful and, and frugal and we really just want to put away as much as we can, you know, cause we're still in that kind of like anxiety right. about everything. But I have last year or like January, 2019, you know, February, 2019. So that's what I look at is like, what did we do last year? Mm -hmm. And I know that we'll make, um, you know, more than that, but at least that's like my baseline. Right. When yeah. I have the big spikes, I, that's when I know I can spend that money. I'm like, all right, we got a big spike coming up in September. We can buy mats then. Right. And that's, what's funny is that it's not, it doesn't have to be this crazy complicated planning. Cause I, I think that's one of the things where people run into issues is that nobody likes accounting. No one likes tracking this stuff. So they just, it, they just put on blinders and the most rudimentary planning sometimes just the smallest amount of tracking and being aware does it for you. I mean, what you're talking about there, that that's a really good strategy. That's a smart strategy, but it's not like it's crazy difficult or complicated to look at what you did the previous year, but so many people don't do it. It's crazy. Well, so many people don't have the kind of accounting. I mean, it wasn't until I met you that I had actual accounting. Right. That's true. You know, it, I mean, prior to you, it was what, like those online robo tax once a year. Yeah. Well, you know? and that's, yeah, and that's true. It's not. And again, what we do isn't super complicated. It's, it's monthly bookkeeping, but again, it, it's surprising where people who don't have successful businesses and, and people who do how much this gets avoided and, throughout the year there's no tracking whatsoever yeah i'd be in trouble <laughs> and, and it's crazy too because like we were talking one time about this where the bigger a business gets you have a ton more opportunities the more cash flow you have you've got a lot more that you can leverage that cash flow but the bigger a business gets the more so does increase your risk factors different things that can go wrong there's more things that can go wrong and the scale you're operating at can give you some trouble too. Or if you make a, if you've got a business where your net profits 20 grand and you mess something up, your, your magnitude of what the penalties, how disastrous that can be is pretty limited. But if you're operating in a big time business and you're not aware of your cash flows, you're not, structuring your taxes properly you're not tracking your kpis small percentage changes on any of that stuff can make a big difference to what you're going to take home yeah oh yeah i think it'd be even harder if you were planning on paying your taxes once a year yeah oh well it's it's amazing to me where people will i've got one guy we were talking to recently we were asking him, okay, well, let, let us see your books. Oh, I'm not, not keeping my books right now. Okay, that's weird. But tell me what you think you're going to clear this year. Eh, we'll probably do about $800,000. I'm like, you, are you kidding me? 
right? Like, well, yeah, that, that's what we've got in the bank right now. So uh, that's, that's probably about what the problem is. I'm like, you're insane. You could hire a bookkeeper to do this for you for like 500 bucks a month, but you're relying on your bank account to tell you not only what your bottom line profit is, which yeah, you, you can maybe approximate that based on that, but what's going right and what's going wrong? Are you bleeding from whatever it is you're, you're advertising? Are you just spending way too much? Are you spending too much on mentors? Are you traveling too much? Whatever. You've got no concept of this sort of slightly more granular things. You know, it's funny. Similarly, like I have you running the accounting for my business so I can see, you know, the, the breakdown on what's going to travel, what's going to food, what's going to uh, advertising, all of that. I just recently downloaded the app Mint for my personal mm -hmm. spending. And that was like a game changer because oh, yeah. I used to, every month, you know, I would go through everything, like an itemized um, spreadsheet of the month and, you know, nitpick every little thing. And now I'm like, oh, this is how much went to the house. This is how much went to kids. This is how much went to shopping. Yeah. Well, and we've used Mint for forever just because it's so easy instead of doing what you're having to do, like you're really having to just um, scrutinize at every possible thing. So it just pulls in there for you. But yeah, it's, it's great because same as can happen in your business with your personal finances. You're like, you know, we're not spending that much on takeout. You know, we're just going and it's 10 bucks a person or five bucks or whatever. But then you, you multiply you, multiply that out by the fact that oh wow we're doing this every single day and, right. and stuck and, and that's not the worst the worst thing in the world but just being aware of it sometimes it'll be crazy where people will be like i didn't make this much money the books are wrong there's no way we made this much money i'm like well if you look at the books it's pretty clear that you transferred out like 200 grand from your business account so it went somewhere and then we get them to track their personal spending and it's not, it's not even always silly stuff. Sometimes it's legitimate stuff, but they've got their, they don't realize, wow, the car payments, the mortgage, the fact that we eat out a ton, we have whatever, fill in the blank that yeah. this stuff is more expensive than they, they, than you realize in the moment of spending it. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. <coughs> Just choked on water. No big deal. <laughs> oh, all right. Great. So all agreed there. First three done. So for the fourth question, in a couple of minutes, give us a tip that you think that every online business owner should know. Hmm. A tip that every online business owner should know. There are so many. There are so many. Uh, I think that's something that I'm really good at um, is branding. Mm -hmm. And when you understand your branding, which is a lot of things, uh, your branding is also knowing what your end result is. It, it's knowing who your target audience is. It's not just a logo and set of colors that you use in everything, yeah. but it, it's the the vibe and the feeling that you're giving off and that people are receiving with every single piece of content that you put out there. 
So for me, my branding, Sarah Beth Yoga is modern day yoga, which a lot of people, like I realize they don't know what that means, but yeah. I try to, um, I try to like instill that within my branding. So with modern day yoga, with Sarah Beth Yoga, you're going to receive uh, instructional yoga videos that are no nonsense. They're very clean, no distractions. I'm not going to crack jokes while you're in the middle of a pose and like have you hold one side for two minutes longer because I like hearing myself talk. You know, it's very to the point. It's, um, it's yoga, but it's very accessible to the lay person. It's mm -hmm. modern. Um, and so with everything that I put out there, I try to represent that. And because I'm representing that and my target audience is like my muse is Jen or Carla, all the Jens and Carlas are showing up. And then yeah. they're calling up their friends, Jen or Carla. And they're like, hey, you got to check out this Sarah Beth. Like, she's awesome. Oh my gosh, I love her too. Thank you so much. And I don't care if Mark doesn't like me. I don't care right. if he doesn't like me because I have a very strong brand. And so marketing myself on stage or in a, a podcast or um, in another person's video, in my video, on Instagram, wherever I'm writing... I'm writing with this branding in mind and it's almost given me, um, it's almost like empowered me to, to speak, uh, knowing that I have this really strong branding. I'm not going to, uh, step outside of those boundaries. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, a couple of things that I like. One is that you, you don't care about the, the people who, you know, the, the marks of the world. Because that's one thing that's funny to me is there will, I think some people more than others have this need to be liked. Yeah. They, don't, they want everyone to like them. They don't want anyone, they don't want to offend anybody. They don't want anybody to dislike them. And with that, there's, there's a couple dangers. If, if you're really offended, afraid to offend anybody, sometimes you're not going to make moves that you should because you're, you're afraid of the backlash. But I also think that can dilute your branding to the people you really want to reach. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a reason Ty Lopez markets the way he does. Mm -hmm. He's not yeah. trying to get attention from like me. He's trying to get attention from, you know, the bro that just, <laughs> you know, all the bros. Yeah. Like, but I can see it. I understand what he's doing. It's not because he's a total douchebag. It's yeah. because he's marketing to a very specific audience. So he is then branding himself very specifically. Mm -hmm. you well, know? His whole, his whole image to where it's, I'd be fascinated to know how many women buy from him because the whole thing is it's, it's car wash Friday and it's, it's the fancy cars. He has the models that he's hiring just to hang out with him. He has the private jets, which, you know, then again, these random uh, different models show up there. Uh-huh. That's, you've got, like, that's you've got like LeBron, like, in the jet, who's about to <laughs> right. out, you know, like, there's a hot tub in there somehow. Yeah. Right. <laughs> there's people to where, yeah, to the, you know, we keep saying bros, but that really doesn't encapsulate it, to his target market, that is the dream. Absolutely. To, yeah. To to the Jens and Karens and Marys, they don't care about that at all. But if he's converting enough of the people he really wants, who cares? Exactly. 
But you if, know, and I, if, I get my fair share of people who don't love my product, people who are opinionated, want to speak out about it, you know, that um, they, they want more personality. They can't like stand the fact that there's nothing else on screen. Cause I shoot on a blank white psych wall. It's just me and my yoga mat. And if there's a prop, there's a prop. But yeah. the point is, is that there, I shouldn't be distracting you. This should be your practice. And if you need mm -hmm. to look up, I'm demo, like I'm being a demo for you. Some people hate that. They want more personality. That's okay. There's plenty of people out there that are offering that. I'm not, I'm not going to cater to that, you know? Right. And it's funny because if, if you're at Costco and you go and sample a piece of cheese and you hate it, you don't run up to Marianne and say, this cheese really sucks and you should not be serving this cheese and it's really dry and, and it was awful and now my breath smells awful. Like you don't do that. So yeah. why are people doing it on the internet? So I don't even have time for it. I, I'll delete it. Well, I'm trying to think of the blandest cheese possible, like American cheese, but that's what people will do is they'll make themselves to try to appeal to this crazy broad audience. They'll make themselves the, you know, the American cheese of cheese versus, okay, cool. You, you might appeal to more people on a, on a low level. No one's going to love you. No one's going to hate you, but maybe you don't offend anybody. So more people have a, a slightly positive view of you, but you're losing out on the people who really want, would have liked you, really would have rallied to you. And it could be that, again, I don't really know a lot about cheese, so this is a dangerous metaphor for me to get into, but, you know, brie or whatever, whatever the really expensive cheeses are, that subset that really would have liked you, they also could have been the most profitable by far and be willing to pay much more than the sort of lowest common denominator would have. Oh yeah. I mean, this is, this is basic niche 101. Yeah. You know, how many people start an, like a business and they think they need to cast a wide net? Like mm -hmm. you can't catch anything with a wide net. Right. You know? Well, yeah. You, and, and I get the trap. You, you understand how they fall into that trap because they oh, say, yeah. why would I why would I limit myself to, you'll, you'll see, um, I'll see coaches to where they, they market exclusively to women and people will be like, well, why on earth would you do that? Why would you limit you know, half of the population? Because they're doing better messaging and branding and doing it to that to 50% of the population versus the way they would to everybody. But, but you understand how they can get caught in that fallacy though. Absolutely. Absolutely. But the sooner that you can niche down, mm -hmm. that, that's when you build your branding. That's when you, you know, figure out your marketing, how you talk, mm -hmm. how you come off, like the kinds of images that you post, all of that. Yeah. Well, it's funny. There's, I wrote an article, it must have been five, six years ago, and it talked about people trying to be generalists in their market mm. and how people, there are a couple things to where some they would try and just be what we've talked about, just non-offensive, but they also would try to make their offerings so wide and so general that no one would really know what, what they're about and what they're offering. And I, and in the article, I always remember this one guy that I met where he had, he was a profit coach. He said, I'll coach you to make more profit. And his business was called amazing profit coaches, something like that. So I talked to this guy. I'm like, okay, cool. You can make somebody more profit. What do you do? 
And it was all these stupid cliches. Like we, we optimize the business and we find hidden efficiencies and we, it, it was all this stuff to where he was saying a bunch of stuff, but wasn't saying anything at all. Yeah. And what it reminded me of was there was this old South Park episode with the, the underpants gnomes. And in the episode, these gnomes would run around at night. They would go in people's dressers, steal their underpants and run off. And this, the story is obviously ridiculous, but eventually they're confronted. Like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? And they'd say, profit. And they said, you know, that the, they would just say that invariably. And in the episode, it finally cuts to the gra a graphic of what their business plan was. And it was step one, collect underpants. Step two, had a question mark. And step three, <laughs> right. yes. was profit. <laughs> and I think that's what I talked about that guy being is that, okay, cool. It would be like step one, hire me. Step two, question mark. And step three, profit. This is a long rambling example that goes a little bit off the track of what we were talking about. But yeah, I mean, being these generalists and being so vague, um, I'm sure there are people who are successful at it, but not as successful as they could be. Not nearly as successful as they could have been because if you're, it's one of those things where people point to these examples of like, well, so-and-so is successful doing 20 different things wrong. Okay that probably means that if they're able to be that successful screwing stuff up that bad, if they had done it right, they, they either had a product offering personality, whatever it is, they would have been way more successful if they weren't being so stupid about the way they're approaching stuff. Right. Oh, all right, cool. Well, went off on a little bit of a tangent there. So Last question is, it's one of two things. You can do both if you really want to, but it's either what is the craziest tactic you've seen to sell something online or what's the craziest thing you've seen sold online? Hmm. I feel like, I feel like, like the world of online sales has gotten so crazy you know, I mean, I remember when I first discovered Ty Lopez, I was like calling my friends, like, do you know who this is? Like, all of a sudden, you we know, were all making fun of them. Yeah, right. I was like, who is this dummy just hanging out in his garage with books? This is the stupidest right. thing I've ever seen. You get, you get like swept into watching some like 78 minute ad about three things. I'm going to tell you these three things, but first let's go through this room with the people in it. And then we're going to, you know, I, like that to me was so nuts. And then it didn't stop. And then all of a sudden, all the bro marketers came out of the woodworks, probably from his own training, <laughs> came out of the woodworks. And it was just like, oh, is this what's happening now? Like we've got bro fester, like professors, bro marketers, like, okay. Like, oh, and then, and then there was click funnels when click funnels got really big. Yeah. You know, and then like what was really obnoxious was that we got swept into it because there are some really good services like that are offered in there, but mm -hmm. I was really, really despising the platform. And then I felt like now I'm like, I've built so much in it that I was like kind of stuck with it. Oh, it was so, so I don't know. I think I'm just starting to see, like really open my eyes to this 
online world of business and sales that I'm still like, this is the thing. (laughs) And sometimes, I guess it's how you define, is this a thing? Yeah, there's dummies who are doing it. Whether or not it's successful is where I'm, I'm, I'm always a little bit, I, I, I lack, um, belief that it is a lot of times. Right. Like I think, and, and I've never, I don't think I've seen it myself, but you know, I think we've all heard that there's people that will rent cars and pull out all the cash in their bank account to like fan out and put on their friend's Gucci sweatshirt to take a picture or to take like 50 pictures because they don't have the one for the gram. Mm -hmm. Like this is something that I just don't, I do not partake in this Instagram weird society. And I look at all of it like you guys are nuts. Well, and and that's kind of the reason we started this was there are two things. One was to celebrate the people who actually were doing it right. And the second was just to troll all these people who are doing exactly what you described because I got really spoiled when I got into this online world because I started working with Adam. I'm working with y'all. I'm, I'm working with people who are really doing well and who are legit. So when we decide, okay, I'm going to make a real play for this. We're going to market towards more towards online businesses. I'm connecting with people on Facebook. I'm seeing their posts. and I'm like, man, everyone's crushing it here. All these people are making easily six figures a lot of them are seven figures like based on these posts everyone's crushing it and then you realize through conversations or digging through their posts over time one way or another you realize that 90 percent of these people are full of it right that they are just totally fabricating what they're doing and like you're saying what goes through your mind when you when you, you rent the Lamborghini for a day or you find one on the street and you take all the money out of your account, like <laughs> what's the, what's, what thought process goes through, through that to the, to those people to think that's one, that it's not dishonest, but two, that it's a good idea. Yeah. And that it's sustainable and that it's going to be good for your mental health in any way. Yeah. I mean, that's like the people, the whole travel flex thing you know like that yeah. it's like when I'm traveling I don't even want to take pictures like I take pictures like for my family's purposes of memory and documentation mm-hmm. but and and part of it's because my husband will not partake in being an Instagram husband you know I'm like I'm like here like take this picture of me over there pretending to do right. yoga on the edge of this cliff right. where I'm overlooking like this beautiful scenery of mountains like that's really real so go do it now and he's like I know yeah, if you're actually if you're able to capture an authentic moment, which yeah, should primarily be done right yeah, <laughs> about that. <laughs> yeah, but it's because it's it's already we're dealing in this Instagram world where people are just posting the highlights of their lives. Yeah, which has some well documented problems of its own. Right. It's even worse when the highlights you're posting are fabrications and not not even real highlights right the people that use facetune i'm like that is so so bad facetune you know what that is oh yeah it's um and it's funny too because i think it's um and so i think it's especially prevalent in some of these asian countries to where it's like 
it's totally accept because you'll see it in it. People look nothing like what they look like in the videos because they'll show these photos of people doing like there's a camera to the side and then they're doing the Facetune videos, and it's almost like accepted accepted that like yeah we know they don't look like that at all but everyone still wants to do it. Well, and the problem is that people are measuring their worth with mm -hmm. likes. You know, right. so, and if I did that on Instagram, the posts of mine that have the most likes are the ones that are like straight selfies. It's like my face, you know, and I've been told by strategists before, specifically Instagram strategists, like they sent me all the pictures that had all the most likes and they're like, you should post more of these. And I'm like, oh, so my Instagram's a selfie machine. Well, I can't remember. I had, there was someone we had on the podcast and I, I wish I could remember who said this, but they said something along the lines of that. Nobody's clicking the buy button based on your selfies. Yeah. You'll get likes from that, but no one's clicking the buy button from that because if you just look at the basic way that social media works, if it, if it's an attractive girl and it's the girl who's posting bikini photos, the dude who's in his workout photos or posting all his, you know, if he wants to show how successful he is with money, he's got his Rolex and all this stuff. Those are going to attract people will like those all yeah. the kind of like skeevy dudes who follow a page. Like they'll click like in a second on the, on the girl's low cut top photo that doesn't mean anything both for your general self-worth and especially for your business success. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the cheapest and easiest way <laughs> to be like, yes, I like this. <laughs> yeah, sure. Right. But and that, that to me is just in, like, it's crazy. I'm, I'm hoping that us as a society can move past this fake life thing that we have right now with Instagram. I mean, I, I don't even use Instagram. I have a third party scheduler that I, I use to schedule all my posts. I'll write meaningful posts and I post maybe three times a week. And then I'll just every once in a while I'll go and like look at it and be like, yeah. okay, it's good. It's fine. Yeah. Well, I think about, I post so many people use their personal Facebook for business now, including me because Facebook just throttles your business page so much. But if I had to take out the business related posts, I probably post once every six months. Right. And there's nothing wrong with people who want to be active. Some people are, they like photos more. They like to share more. They like to write funny stories. And if that, if you want to do that because you're excited about the content and what you're sharing to everybody, that's great. You don't need to be against social media or be this weird, um, Luddite with it, but it's also not measuring how your self worth and how well your life is going based on your your social metrics. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So I'm I'm kind of the opposite with my personal. I, I keep my privacy, um, you know, really close, like tight knit. And my personal Facebook, I just I recently deleted like 150 friends off of it because I was like, it, just because I went to high school with you doesn't mean I know you. Right or that you know me. And yeah. like, you know, for when you have kids, you tend to post more because then you're like, oh, well, Auntie Sue really would like to see this photo, you know, of my kid, like doing something amazing. Like, yeah, sure. Apples or something. <laughs> yeah. And I think when you have kids too, it, it is different because you, for the people you do care about, it's not just 
you know, it's not just you taking selfies. It's yeah, showing it, it's it, it's a it's a more selfless thing that that you're sharing. It's not just it's not all about you, which I think makes it more understandable that you want to share and also makes it more tolerable for the people who are following your stuff. Right. Well, and it gets to the point where like when I deleted all those people and I still think about going through and just like, again, I'm like, do I know this person? Do they know me? Like, do I want them having photos of my kids? Like, yeah. Uh, but when I do that, I think to myself, well, what if they message me and they're like, Oh my gosh, why did you delete me? You know, like I, how am I going to know what's going on in your life? Well, you could call me. Right. <laughs> you know, or the people that think I don't post often enough on my personal Facebook. Cause I'm like you, I really don't post that often, mm -hmm. but it's like, well, like they're, this, I'm not going to broadcast out to the world. Like you could just text me and have a right. conversation. If we're, if we're really friends, we're probably in communication by some other means <laughs> aside yeah. from my wall. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> awesome. Well, this has been awesome having you here. Thank you so much for being on. For people who are wanting to contact you, who'd want to work with you, what's your best method of contact? Uh, so my best method of contact would be um, Paige. Paige is my, uh, my team member. And so her email is Paige, P-A-I-G-E, at sarabethyoga.com. Okay, awesome. Well, we'll put that in the link, put the website, and when we publish this. So again, thank you so much for being here. We had a blast doing this. Good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you. And so for everyone watching, thanks for being here on the few, the proud, the profitable, where we only talk to successful online businesses. I'm supposed to have a CTA here. So we're asking everyone to please subscribe and review this and like it. That way, hopefully this content gets shared with more people. And yeah, we'll catch y'all next time.